Well, welcome to the Global Math Department, everyone. My name is Lena Taro, and I'll be your host tonight. Tonight, we're going to be hearing from Dan Meyer, Faith Monahan, Stephanie Blair, and the founder of Desmos, Eli Lubroff. Before we begin our session, I'd like to tell you a little bit more about the Global Math Department. The Global Math Department is an organization that is run entirely by volunteers. We have been leading free math PD webinars since 2012. And unfortunately, the Global Math Department will be closing up shop at the end of the season. Tonight's session is our fourth webinar from our last session. But if you'd like to connect with us, we do have an email account, globalmathdepartment at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us on Twitter. Before I turn the session over to our presenters, I'd like to explain how our webinars work. Our webinars are recorded and are available about 24 hours after the meeting ends. To be the recording, you can use the same link you used to get here tonight. The Global Math Department community prides itself on being friendly and supportive. The chat room is available for topical and general conversation throughout the meeting. And if the chatter gets busy, I'll be sure to catch your questions for the presenter to be addressed at the end of the presentation. If you haven't already done so, please introduce yourself in the chat, telling us what you teach, where you teach, and what your Twitter handle is, if you have one. <laughs> and Eli, thank you for putting the Global Math Department's email in there. I appreciate that. <laughs> Welcome, Juan Paulo from the Philippines, and hello, Norma. And greetings, Levo. Yes, lots of wonderful people joining us tonight. So tonight we have four speakers, Dan, Faith, Stephanie, and Eli, and they are going to be sharing with us on the topic, what we learned about math, teaching, and technology while building Desmos. So I'm going to turn it over to Dan. Right on. Thanks, Lee. Hey, folks. So happy you're all here. Happy to be here with you. Really happy if you're here from the East Coast, um, where it's very late. Um, global math has been such a huge part of my own learning as a teacher, as a, as a writer, as a curriculum developer, all the above. Um, we know that this is a group that loves to learn and learn in community. So I thought that we would bring to you folks, when Lee invited us to, to chat, bring to you what we've learned in building stuff at Desmos over the last 10-ish years. We are each bringing a few minutes worth of sharing and hope to involve you folks in the chat and to hear questions from you and your own observations. So uh, many thanks. I'm gonna be introducing Faith and Stephanie and Eli and I'll be introducing myself. So I gotta choose my own intro here. Here's uh, how I, what I'd say is I have been a subscriber to the Global Math Department newsletter since 2016. I'm not sure how much credit I get for subscribing for so long to a free newsletter, but if there is a punch card or a reward for continued business, I think I get that. And uh, I've been on Twitter um, learning with other teachers since 2007, which is two years earlier um, than the current bozo who owns Twitter. And I've also been someone who uh, learned lots by writing on a WordPress blog going back to 2006. Um, a lot of you folks don't know what a WordPress blog is, perhaps, but it was a huge part of my online learning as a teacher. I also got most of my professional, my most meaningful professional development uh, came from reading on Google Reader uh, from the years 2005 to about 2012. Um, can I get some uh, some hearts going in, in the chat if you yourself used Google Reader 
to get some learning done as a teacher. Very curious um, where the real heads are at right now. Awesome, seeing those, seeing those hearts in the chat. Um, you folks all sound and look like this. Yeah, that's you, that's me. So anyway, been around for a bit and have had a lot of time to think about what it is that Lee and company have built um, through global math and the math Twitter blogosphere, and also how the development of Desmos um, parallels that work just side by side in some really interesting ways that were a lot of fun for me to re reflect on. Um, so here are the, like, there's just, there's two just core attributes of the math Twitter blogosphere, a name that rolls off the tongue just as smoothly as it did the first time I said it. And um, those two attributes, which are a part of global math department as well, um, are connection and creativity. And there's some examples that I was just like thinking through my head and I couldn't stop thinking about examples. There's just so many to name. But over time, some of my favorites were, for instance, um, the group blog, a collection of teachers uh, from all around the country and world created, uh, created a blog called One Good Thing, where in the middle of a job that is often very hard and um, with colleagues who are often very cynical, perhaps they came together to write a little anecdote every day, one good thing about their day, a group blog. It was beautiful and uplifting. And Sam Shaw is apparently still going at it. I just learned um, today. He keeps writing like once per week. It's awesome. Um, or a virtual conference on soft skills where a bunch of disparate bloggers had a theme and created a, a conference. And we all participated in that theme. And other folks who wanted to would also participate. This was uh, organized by Riley Lark, who would go on to found Pear Deck. Um, wild, this, uh, this, this era of connection and creativity and what it produced. Um, or graphing stories was an idea that kind of germinated on my blog where one weekend I asked people to submit like 15 second videos of things happening in a video and a graph of that thing. And then I created all these um, little videos that would go on to become part of people's projects and classes for a while. This is just connect people creating things, feeling the energy of creation and wanting to share that with each other with total strangers. And uh, I don't know, like there's other kinds of products that um, I, I played host to through my blog, like various little, um, very novel, just weird um, math activities, like asking people to create an algorithm to decide if a color was blue and they would try to predict what people had voted uh, as blue. It's kind of like a, a Netflix uh, recommendation algorithm, algorithm in miniature. Anyway, I'd be very curious, have these, have these stirred anything for you if you've been around the internet for a while? What is a, an example that you can recall of connection and creativity in the math Twitter blogosphere? Take a second, think about it. I would love to know who's out there, what you have experienced. Toss it in the chat. Tom mentioned the collection of which one doesn't belongs. Yeah, this is a, a group curated set of images designed to uh, help students contrast different mathematical structures and it all came together. Mary Barassa from, uh, uh, from Canada, sorry, I can't be more specific than that, uh, hosted all of that and curated all of those. Yeah, what else we have here? Visual Patterns from Fawn Wynn, another one of those that just uh, came through um, and was curated. A lot of different cre uh, creative people contributed there. So I love all these, um, yeah, loads of it. Ottawa sounds about right to me. Yeah, three reads, that's interesting. I wasn't aware that that was a, uh, um, a Twitter blogosphere phenomenon, but I'll, I'll go with it. We'll claim it. We'll claim it as our own. Um, here's the thing that was interesting about this time is that while global math and the math Twitter blogosphere 
were emphasizing connection and creativity, the kinds of technology that was in math classes was not connected or creative. I don't want to uh, belabor this point too much because as anyone at Desmos knows, I can get going on it. Um, but it seemed to emphasize much more evaluation and uniformity instead. If the big math ed platforms of the time had created, for instance, um, the one good thing joint blog, you would not share with one another. You would choose from four possible good things and you would be told that you were right or you were wrong and you would do it again. And so your, your creations were limited to one of four options and your connection, you didn't share it with others for the world. You shared it with a box that rated you. And so what was great, what I just uh, will uh, hold dearly in my heart uh, forever until my last marble rolls out of my head is that uh, at Desmos, uh, and, and shout out to Eli Lubaroff coming up soon for assembling, uh, for doing loads on, on this project, but one thing in particular, to assemble a lot of folks who had experienced connection and creativity in their work and life and saying, what can we do here? Um, and we tried to create um, environments where students could be connected and creative in math. And that manifested in ways that I think we'll learn a lot from some, some of Faith may, may speak to this and others may speak to this. I would just say this manifested in some very simple ways, uh, ways that at the time were that now seem a little bit commonplace, but at the time were very different from what existed in classes for students. Like, for instance, we would just show students a thing. This is not our first activity or anything close to it. What I do want to say is um, what was weird is that we, as one of our first kinds of input components, uh, ways for students to express themselves mathematically, we just wanted a box you could type into. And the prevailing wisdom of the time was that, no, 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 you can't do that because computers can't evaluate that. They can't rate that. They can't score that. Um, but we said to ourselves, what, what's most important is not the evaluation of students quickly. It's that students can express an interesting thought in, in, as in, in the, whatever form it came to them in. And we also had this checkbox that came pre-checked to show students their classmates' responses. This was also pretty novel at the time because um, the prevailing wisdom was students are a liability to one another, that your learning is in fact inhibited by the presence of other students who know different things than you do. They're bringing you down. And we thought, well, with the right kinds of tasks that benefit from different people thinking about them in different ways, you'd actually want to share your own response with others and have um, other people's shared with yours. So we had this box right here, which was not just like a, you can opt into it, you had to opt out of it. By default, it would be a thing that students saw. And over time, we would gradually add things like images and audio to that, um, that answer box because we realized, we knew, we saw, saw, we got frustrated seeing how students would have interesting, brilliant thoughts to share but lacked the ability to type it or to express it in words, but could draw a picture or could speak it out loud. We used technology in the same way that global math did to try to help people become creative and connected through their creations. And here's just an example of, you know, down there at the bottom, you have share an image, share sound, share math. On the far right there, it says uh, share with class. And that leads to these moments where you see your classmates said, and then this right here, which has had some really interesting effects on students. I was in a class um, in Watsonville, California a couple of weeks ago. And some students said like, 
they saw the answer in a discussion and said, I knew we should have kept our original answer. And they had they had seen three students' responses. They had the right answer. The other three were in, oh, incorrect in different ways. And they had been persuaded by that reason to change their answer. Um, this is a sort of social negotiation that just doesn't happen um, except in connected and creative classes of the sort that we wanted to foster. Uh, and that led to other kinds of creation. So we invite students to create things like turtles, create your own turtle, create your own polygon, um, create kaleidoscopes, marble slides, transformations and a transformation golf, create um, turtles, lasers, pumpkins at Halloween or anytime, up to you really. Um, we have students creating challenges for each other. And uh, I was watching a video of a class this last week and seeing how excited students were um, to solve one another's challenges, uh, much more so than the challenges we created for them. So yeah, those are two attributes, connect connectedness and creativity, connection and creativity that we learned from y'all. We got it from you. You know, we got it from personal experience as part of this project called Global Math Department, um, the Math Twitter blogosphere. Um, it was exhilarating to be a part of that and to watch how technology went into classes with students and they experienced none of that, left this huge opening for us to come along, collaborate together and try to restore that. So I, I, I only wanna say before I pass things off to my talented colleagues to share um, some of their learnings, um, a couple things. One, if you have questions about any of this, toss it in the chat. We'll have a little bit of time afterwards to uh, um, to chat and reflect with you all. I, I find myself wondering what is next for the math Twitter blogosphere. I think it's safe to say that our online collaboration has taken a bit of a turn over the last year, two years, three years. I'm not sure what. Certainly it predates uh, the current Bozo running Twitter, buying Twitter. Um, there's been a change in how people collaborate and connect and create. And I, I'm trying to figure it out. I'm, the only thing I hold on to is that connection and creativity, create the act of creation, um, the act of social connection. Those are uh, not artifacts of a certain decade uh, of the internet's development. It's not, it's not limited to 20, 2005 to 2025, let's say. Um, those are fundamentally human endeavors um, that will persist into whatever medium is next. I don't know if it, TikTok is the thing or if we're going back to you know faxing blogs to each other or what it is, but I'm very curious where you folks, where we all are finding um, community, where we're able to find a home uh, for our ideas about teaching. Uh, I hope to be there with you folks. So thanks for the opportunity to uh, reflect a little bit. Uh, I, I definitely got a little bit emotional here and there. It's been, I, I know that uh, I would not be the educator teacher, human being I am, if not for the ability to learn from people that I do not live anywhere near, many of whom I've never once met. Um, that's been just a, a profound joy of my life, as has been working with the other talented folks who are um, on the call here, people of uh, enormous creativity and integrity. Um, Faith, I still remember um, our, our first chat as you were thinking about working at Desmos and just how um, Faith on a really intuitive level was able to articulate and just get the power of technology um, to create, to, to make creative experiences for students, even out of math, it's pretty abstract. We talked about Algebra 1 and Faith mentioned how different student responses to solutions of a system of equations um, could be aggregated and we could kind of see um, the solution space start to form through student creations. Um, it was just, a, 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 I had never met Faith, Faith before then. Um, and it was just a, a, re a real joy to experience someone just like with a, a very similar vision. And I knew that Faith was gonna be able to take that vision and take our technology and, and mold it and shape it in ways that few others could. 
So I asked Faith to share. Faith has been working on our curriculum team for the last mumbles years. I can't remember now. It feels like forever. Um, but we've been working for a good long time on curriculum um, of this novel sort, a core curriculum, not just like these little supplemental activities um, that were kind of my original experimentation with Eli and others. Um, but uh, the, the whole thing, we're doing it the full year, uh, you know, now grade six through algebra one and onwards. So I was wanted Faith to share a little bit about what she's learned building new kinds of activities for students. So please, would y'all um, welcome Faith up uh, to the big show. Thanks, Faith. Thanks, Dan. Didn't know you were gonna pull out that first ever conversation we had. Uh, was so nervous trying to talk about all the things I love about Desmos, um, but so grateful for, for that opportunity. Uh, and thanks for the introduction, like gassing me up on uh, Tuesday at like 9.15. Feels real nice, so appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, hi, everyone. I am Faith Moynihan. I am a former teacher. I work at Desmos. Uh, and I think a whole lot about like building lessons and what are the questions, what are the tasks, what are the ideas that we want students to engage with. Uh, so real pumped to talk with you about um, some of the things we've learned uh, over the past couple of years and thinking about core curriculum. So as I was like trying to get ready and think about like, what am I going to talk about? Like, I love the global math department so much uh, because of the community that it brings together. And whenever I think of community, I think about the community agreements that we use at Desmos. Uh, so we have 11 community agreements. I'm not going to go through all of them tonight, but I think they're really integral in the work that we do because these community agreements are the ways in which we've agreed to work together. They're the foundations for the conversations that we have, the ways in which we communicate, and ultimately the ways in which we, we build together as well. So I want to use some of this language to help just kind of reflect and, and think about some of the work that we've done uh, over the years with, with curriculum. So I'll go through just three of them, not all 11. So the first community agreement I want to talk about is that we make each other stronger by provide, providing our honest feedback and opinions. We take feedback so seriously at Desmos because it really just makes everything better. Uh, I remember the first unit that we built, uh, it was unit three of grade eight, it's all about linear functions and linear relationships. And that was a really great unit to start working on because we said linear graphs, connecting representations, like we are going to knock it out of the park with this one. Like this is just in the wheelhouse of Desmos. So we created, I think it was 13 lessons, all of them digital, all on the uh, Desmos Activity Builder. And each of them had way too many slides in them. I won't tell you how many screens were in each of those lessons, but it was way too many. Like we had screens to say like, talk about this, turn to your partner. It was, it was a lot. Uh, but, you know, we were really excited about this. And thankfully, we had a group of teachers that were piloting this unit. And they took these 13 baby lessons into their classrooms and, and they ran them and they, they, they provided their honest feedback. And I'm so grateful to them because the feedback wasn't always that great. They said, you know, there's some things in here that are really magical and really great. But most of it is not that great because like it doesn't, it doesn't shine. It doesn't glitter. And a lot of, 
a lot of students just kind of got lost in clicking through all of the screens. And that was really tough feedback to hear, but I'm so grateful for that gift that those brave teachers were offering to us because it really made us think differently about the way that we build lessons. And it made us think, well, like, I know that we're like Desmos and we've got to use these like great digital tools that we have. But if we're thinking about core curriculum, like maybe digital is just not the best tool for every single day. And after that unit, we said, okay, we've got to figure out how to, how to introduce paper in our lessons. So now one of the first questions we talk about when we're building a lesson is should this, should this lesson be on paper or should it be digital? Is there something that we can uh, leverage with our digital tools and showing a lot of that great feedback that, uh, that Dan was showing, the interpretive feedback? Can we unlock something mathematical with interpretive feedback? Or is this a day that we want students like carrying their books to one another and scratching on paper and showing their work or, or doing a physical card sort? Is paper really the best option for that day? And now, even though when you, a lot of folks think Desmos and digital, our core curriculum is actually made up of about 30% paper lessons. And I actually think it could be a little bit more, but we're working on it. But what I think is really great through that feedback that we first got that first unit, uh, <laughs> I love looking at it because it just shows us how far that we've grown, is that you can always do a little bit better and always question your initial assumptions and leverage the tools in the best ways that you can, not the ways that you think that they should be leveraged. Okay, so moving on to the next community agreement. This community agreement, we remember that conversation is a natural way that humans sing together. This is my favorite out of the 11, hands down. I think it's the gift that keeps on giving because uh, there's, so, there's only so much we can do inside of our own minds, but when we can start to think and talk about it together and just like process it through words, there's so much that we can learn that just we couldn't do individually. So when we're thinking about lessons, not only are we thinking about how like Desmos's tools could be used in a classroom or even the lessons, that's really just a small piece. We're really thinking about what conversations do we want students to be having in a classroom? What are the uh, opportunities? What are the situations that we can present in a classroom to get students talking to one another, right? Because that's how they are just going to be inspired or how they can grow is just like hearing each other's ideas and understanding that the ideas that they have are valuable and seeing value in, in one, one another's ideas, I think is just a lesson that'll, that'll keep on giving outside of the math classroom. But also, in conversation between teachers and students. We think a whole lot about the tools that we want to provide teachers in facilitating one of our Desmos lessons. You know, we note uh, in our teacher tips, like this is a key conversation screen, like whatever you do, forget everything else. But once you get here, like hit that pause button, listen to the groans and like make sure that you have a conversation and draw out some, some of the student ideas to make sure that we are we're getting together to understand these mathematical concepts that, uh, that we're focusing on in that day. So I just, every time I just like start building a lesson, I love to just kind of play through like, what are, what are students talking about? What's, what's the sound of the classroom? Um, we all know those happy sounds of the classroom where it's, it's not quiet, but like 
I mean, sometimes it's chaos and sometimes it's great, but it's always like chatter, right? It's always students talking with one another. And what are the ways that we can provide resources for that is just gold to me. Okay. My last community agreement. There are 11 and they're all wonderful. Uh, but the last one I'll share with you today is making space to express gratitude. I am so grateful for the folks who have dedicated time and energy for building community, like you see here today. This takes an enormous amount of effort to plan, to like figure out webinar spaces and getting folks to be here and, and just being in this space and listening. All of that has to do with, with building and strengthening the community around us. And I can say personally, I'm so much a better educator for being part of this community. I'm a better educator for the folks that have provided feedback to Desmos and say like, this is great, but here's something that you can do better, or here's a different way to consider it, or this isn't good at all. <laughs> Let me tell you why. Because we strengthen ourselves. We strengthen our community by being together and talking with one another. So thank you all. I appreciate it. Back to you, Dan. Get some hearts going in the chat for Faith, folks. Thank you so much, Faith, uh, for sharing just a small sliver of the insights that you've developed uh, over time here at Desmos. Um, yeah, fantastic. I would love to ask a question. I'm just curious about, you know, like we aren't in regular, you know, meet. I don't meet with the curriculum team as much as I used to. And I'm really curious how your thinking has developed over time. Okay. So like, um, there's a lot of folks that I recognize on the chat here um, who are Desmos activity builders, folks who use our software to create activities. Everyone here creates activities out of paper or did in, so, in some way or another. Um, so I'm just curious, as you folks have developed your ways of looking at an activity and saying, is this a thing that we want to put out into the world for thousands and thousands of teachers and students to use in a core curriculum? What are some ways that your lens is that your lens has changed on it? Like what, what did you look for back when? What are you looking for now? Um, just take it wherever you want to here, but I'm curious. Sure, um, I think the lens is constantly changing. Uh, I think especially being in a position where we're building curriculum nationally, it's, it's really hard because um, we don't know the students personally and we don't know the experiences that they're going through, the, the communities around them. So there could be a really great uh, lesson idea that comes to mind and I'll get really excited and I'll try to build it. And I'm like, ooh, this might make sense to like Faith Moynihan who lives right outside of Philadelphia, but perhaps not to someone who lives in Albuquerque or, or somewhere else. And, and so my lens has shifted in thinking about like my own classroom. My own classroom has important me tremendously and and everyone's classroom here who kind of shares insights into those but recognizing that uh, you don't have a whole lot of control of like what is going to happen in, in a classroom makes me have a great deal a great a whole lot more care with like the the context and the representations that we offer up to teachers and students I wouldn't say I was reckless in my classroom, but like I had a degree of like knowing my students and knowing my communities that I could do a whole lot more that just wouldn't hit in the same way and thinking about a national curriculum. I will say that my uh, another way that my lens has kind of shifted is uh, learning from 
the amazing wizards over at our graph team and the ways in which that they have been able to bring concepts to life has helped me dream a whole lot bigger. But I look at one of their graphs and I just like exit and, and click out slowly because I don't understand it. I don't know how they just make all of the math work in a graphing calculator to like show a water slide going up and down. It is, it's pure joy. Um, but the ways in which that they have just uh, taken a problem and they're just like, yeah, we can do that. No, no problem. You don't have to know how to do it, Faith, but like we can brainstorm and work together has, has helped me understand what are the different concepts that we can like bring to life in a classroom that I, I didn't have time to do as, as a teacher, you know, you're planning lessons in 20 minutes, 30 minutes, maybe sometimes. And to be able to, you know, spend a, a chunk of time just like thinking really deeply about like the minutiae of like a screen or an interaction uh, has, has made me uh, grown a whole lot, I think. There was a period of time where it was a badge of pride, it felt like, for a district to say, oh, we make all of our own stuff. Um, I think I, I've been there a little bit. I didn't like my curriculum. I built a bunch of stuff and I felt like some some pride in that. And it's really the graph team among others. But the, the, the effort that goes into a single interactive in a lesson, the number of people who approach that, the developers around it, all the copy editing and the quality assurance work that happens. To me, it's, it testifies to like why you might want to rethink that. I don't know. You know, it could be great what you're making, not knocking it, but uh, like to have, you know, what feels like a, a, an armada of people working on every lesson um, has been so interesting. And uh, yeah, I one challenge that we should talk about sometime uh, offline as far it's too interesting for this crowd probably, but uh, is just like how you want to make stuff that's accessible to teachers of different capacities so that everyone can kind of put their imprint on it so that a new teacher can find themselves in it and not feel bossed around by the curriculum and a veteran can take it and stretch with it a little bit. It might be a little bit, uh, in, I don't know, in the weeds, but um, that's what your first comment made me think of. Um, yeah, it's awesome stuff. Thanks, Faith. If you folks have questions that we can, uh, any of us can answer, toss it in the chat, we'd love to. But uh, one of the, here's what we're at right now is that Faith has described how we are making curriculum on technology that was at a, at a moment in time, extremely novel and hopefully becomes less novel over time. And so I wanna kick it over to Stephanie Blair and Stephanie has been at Desmos about as long as I have been. Stephanie's worked on the curriculum team. Um, Stephanie's worked across Desmos in a lot of different capacities. Um, Stephanie was a, a math teacher and administrator. Stephanie has run conferences for teachers, one of my favorites, the Northwest Math Conference. Um, Stephanie has led that in the past. And what Stephanie does now is take people in the middle of what for some of them is a very difficult change as they rethink what it, what math is, what teaching is, the value of a student um, as they move uh, away from one model of teaching and technology to one that uh, is, is more problem-based or open in some ways that uses technology not to just assign a lesson and walk away, um, but to involve the teacher in facilitating, co-constructing an experience with students. It's a, for many teachers, 
they're just ready for it. And this is the this is the tool I've been needing. And for many others, um, it requires a lot of, uh, of cha change and challenge. And so Stephanie works with them on her coaching team. And also um, with the she supports the people who support them on site. Uh, the folks like I saw Norm Norma Gordon in the chat, um, folks who support teachers. And um, yeah, that kind of change management is just it's so fun to watch Stephanie work in that realm. Um, if I had Stephanie's job, I don't know. Like, I, I just feel like I'm, I'm not patient enough. But Stephanie has the, uh, really sees the hu the, hu the human endeavor that is teaching and the humans within that, and um, is willing to just work with them in loads of extremely patient, careful ways. Um, so I was excited to ask, ask Stephanie. Stephanie, what have you learned about the work of supporting teachers and making some big changes? So toss some uh, toss some hearts in the chat. Yep, I see it. Get them going. Um, and Stephanie, let us know what you think here. Yeah. Uh I find it funny you've described me as patient. I'm pretty sure that humans in my house right now may not use those exact words, um, but thank you. Yeah, my favorite part of my job is I get to talk to teachers and students and people who support teachers each and every day. Um, a couple of years ago, someone asked me what I want to be when I grow up and I said, I wanna support teachers. And they're like, that is not a job. And I was like, oh, but it will be. Um, and so I'm so excited that I get to wake up each and every day thinking about how can we support teachers in doing the impossible. Um, and so I want to share some of the things that we've learned sort of over the years in this role. And the first one is that we've learned that teaching is impossible. Uh, Faith mentioned a 20 minute prep period, which Faith, I want to point out, I think that is the smallest amount of prep period I have heard. Um, so you might win. There might be people who drop in the chat who have less prep period than that. But Thinking about like other careers, very few, actually I can't think of a single one, gives teachers that 20 minute prep period to literally prepare for the full day. And in case you all don't know, on top of that prepping for the whole day, you do need to grade papers, catch up on emails, make photocopies, hope the photocopy machine is not jammed, that will take your whole prep period. While you're at it, make phone calls, make sure you're caught up on all the other things that people sent along your way, catch up with colleagues, yeah, somewhere in there, you might need to go to the bathroom and you might need to grab something to eat. And don't worry if you're running late because the bell will ring, the students will show up and now you're back at teaching. And your goal with all of this, with those 20 to 40 students who are all looking at you, who come from different backgrounds, who come with different needs, is to get all those students at a set benchmark by a set date that somebody else set in the calendar for you. And yeah, you got that 20 minute prep period to do it. It's so impossible. And yet we've also learned despite the impossibility at all that teachers are resilient. It would be so easy to say like, this is impossible, I give up. And don't get me wrong, there have been almost 300,000 teachers who have said that over the past few years. But over the past few years, we've also heard teachers become a lot more vocal about what their needs are, how impossible things are, set some clear boundaries of what they can and cannot do to show up every day giving their best to those in the classroom they impact the most, their students. And I wanna also be clear, giving your best every day is not always 100%. Um, I have sent myself to class when I probably had little to no voice, and I know I'm not the only teacher who has done so. Really the best a teacher can do is sometimes a step ahead of what a sub might be, or recently, having to burden their colleagues to filling in their class during that 20 minute prep period they might have. I've also learned that our teachers are extremely resourceful. During remote teaching, we, I was continuously surprised at the ways that teachers would find to reach out to their students. 
to connect with them, to reach them, to support them in a way that education wasn't designed for. And that resourcefulness really hasn't gone away. I think all of you teachers know that students aren't okay right now. And we have seen teachers step up in ways our education system isn't designed for. From teachers opening up food banks in their schools to make sure that students and families have food on breaks, to connecting families and communities with a variety of public and community resources from mental health to housing to healthcare and so, so much more. Teachers go above and beyond to be resourceful in ways that I think so many people cannot even begin to imagine. I've also learned that teaching is isolating no matter where you are. Um, when I first started teaching, I was the only math teacher in the whole entire alternative school. So I thought it was just me. I transferred to a large middle school and I found out it was just as isolating. And while I haven't heard teachers say those exact words over the years, I have heard teachers share those sentiments from a teacher in a rural school district who hopped on the phone with me and said, can we just lesson plan together? I've never lesson planned with somebody and it'd be so much more fun to lesson plan together. And I was like, yes, I miss lesson planning, let's do this. Um, and meeting with a teacher in the largest school district in the nation who was like, I just wanna tell somebody about this exciting math task. Someone that I don't have to explain all the nuances and the ahas. And so for an hour, we talked about this math task and how it went in her classroom. Teachers bear the successes and triumphs the joys, the struggles, and so much more, oftentimes on their own. The concept of a common prep period really isn't common. If you have one, keep that to yourself. Be super excited because it's not common across the country. And I have learned that teachers are going to find and make their own communities. People strive for connection. We're already seeing that here in the chat. And with a profession that can be isolating, that can feel impossible, the way that teachers are able to be resilient and be resourceful is to create a community. Dan shared some of the blogs and how he found community early on. And I remember searching for a lesson online and all of a sudden found all these math blogs. And I was like, oh, these are my people. And not only were they like having blogs, but soon they were on social media and we were communicating back and forth like, hey, have you tried this lesson? Ooh, can you help me out with this? Meeting up at conferences, meeting up at coffee shops creating and building a community that often extends well beyond the classroom walls. And we have been so blessed for the global math department over the past 11 years to provide a community for us all. And I know the webinars are going away, but I know the resources that have been created over this time will still be available for us all to continue in community. Dan, back to you. Give it up for Stephanie, please. Um, yeah, just seeing the hearts in the chat while you were talking, Stephanie. I mean, that is what that is what you do. Um, teachers in the chat were just feeling like their work was seen and heard uh, in ways that are really uncommon. And I think uh, with the team that you've built of coaches, you you folks may have managed to scale what feels really unscalable, which is relationship, which is like you're making people feel like they have the the warmest, most supportive expert coach at the at the ready whenever they need one uh, in ways that are like obviously impossible. There's no way to do that across the entire country. Um, and yet uh, time after time, I hear stories like you're talking about where teachers feel uh, fed by you and your team. It's fantastic. Thank you. 
uh, for sharing. And um, yeah, I think Stephanie described the work of teaching as it actually exists and not as the people who often run technology companies wish it exists. Um, at the time that I met Eli Lubaroff, most ed tech CEOs had this idea that teachers and students were all on time to the same location, well-rested, well-fed, well-caffeinated, um, thoroughly unrecognizable version of education. Uh, the idea was you could, in the middle of class, um, you could hand a teacher a graph of student achievement uh, at that exact moment in time, and the teacher would know how to group students uh, effectively. Um, it, it was really frustrating for those of us who knew and appreciated and loved the work of teaching. And so I asked Eli to share a bit about um, what, what it, he's learned in building products for teachers. But to say Eli is a product builder um, is both accurate, but also undersells uh, what Eli does and has, has done. Um, I think uh, Eli elevated as a value at Desmos that we would trust teachers, that when teachers tell us a thing, even if it was counterintuitive and disrupted our ideas of what education was or should be, that we would trust the teachers and, um, and re really build that feedback into our work in ways that Faith uh, spoke to quite a bit. Um, Eli has designed some just utterly um, delightful and uh, also a core value, delightful technology for teachers and for students. And uh, I'm excited for him to share with you folks um, what he's working on now and what he's learned in the past. Eli, take it away. Uh, the number of times that I've had an idea that I thought was going to be good and Faith or Stephanie or sometimes Dan has told me that it is not. Um, if I had a nickel for, for each one, uh, I'd, be, I'd be very heavy. Um, I want to try sharing my screen. Let's see if I can figure out how to do this. Um, is this showing up for folks? And I want to take us through a few slides. Can, can you still see my screen even now that I'm full screen? Someone vocal? Gotcha, yep, you're good. Woo, all right. Um, okay, so I'm gonna take us through a, a little bit of a technology prediction exercise, which is where I wanna start. So in 1998, a megabyte per second of network cost $1,200 a month. Any guesses what that one megabyte per second cost in 2015, 17 years later? Put it in the chat and I'm gonna reveal it was 63 cents. Um, and storage was $570 for a gigabyte. And today, same thing, thing in your head, two cents. And if we do a little bit of proportional reasoning on this, the equivalent of that change in cost would mean that a car today costs 40 cents. Technology is just this really, really magical, magical tool. Um, and we can see it also with, you know, Chromebook for 140 bucks has 500 times the processing power of the space shuttle, the computer that powered um, our first trip into space. And I'm a technologist, but it became pretty clear to me pretty early that when you apply all of this magic into classrooms, the instinct of most technologists, including transparently me at the beginning, was absolutely garbage. Um, and I think this one is from one of the first blog posts that I read um, by Dan of what actually happens inside of a classroom with technology. And so one of the big things that has driven um, my work and my learning has been just like, how is it possible that technology, which is so incredible and powerful and improving so much, um, is absolutely trash when we apply it to classrooms such a huge fraction of the time. Um, and I'm convinced 
and this is one of the big things that I've learned over the last decade now, um, that teachers understand a whole lot more about technology than technologists understand about teaching. Um, that it's just not even close. Um, teachers understand more about technology than technologists understand about technology a lot of the time, I think. Like Dan is much better at using his computer than I am. Michael still taught me everything that I know about navigating between programs. Um, but technologists think that they're really good at everything uh, and they're and they're really genuinely not. And I contrast this with, for example, what does it look like when you have permanent non-vertical services in a classroom? And how much of a better learning experience is this than this? It's just like night and day. Um, and so technology just does not does not do it. And in fact, um, my very depressing conclusion over the last 10 years, one might think because I'm a technology CEO, and this is how I spend my time, um, is that technology solves just an unbelievably tiny fraction of the most important challenges in classrooms. Um, I don't think that makes it unimportant. I think that there are so many huge challenges in classrooms, and I'm really happy to be helping by biting off one part of one piece of it um, the place where I think that it becomes really problematic is when people, uh, especially technologists, start to think that the scope of their work is much, much, much larger than it honestly should be. Um, so when, when I think back uh, to um, the, the very early days when I was kind of like, uh, just moved out to San Francisco and I'm going to start a technology company, um, and how quickly it became clear that, that that whole industry is kind of busted and how grateful I am for um, the really just like lucky early people who joined this team and then continue to grow a team that pop that bubble at every single opportunity. Um, and this starts with, with uh, the three people on this call and others. I remember the first time when I showed Penny Circle at, I think it was the, the Twitter Math Camp conference and Christopher Danielson comes up to me afterwards and he's like, cool, 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 cool. But also this is wrong in all of these ways, like the whole walk back to the hotel. Um, and he's like, can I help you fix it? Which I think brings me to the third um, conclusion that I've reached here, which is that the teaching community is just unbelievably generous and collaborative. Um, and, and we see that with this group here. We saw that with, um, the blogging that was written and Twitter and wherever it goes next, like one thing that I keep seeing is the sharing and not just um, affirmation, but criticism and feedback. And here's how you can do it better. And let me take your thing and build on it and improve upon it. Um, that is just such a cornerstone of how we've been able to um, make things that are actually helpful. Um, because I, I think I'm really cognizant that um, I didn't actually teach in a classroom. I tutored. It's a completely different set of challenges. It's not even close. Um, I visit classrooms. I'll teach sometimes. I'm exhausted after two periods and I need to go take a nap. Um, and so how do we do this? And it's partly by building up uh, a team that is just so heavily folks who have experience in classrooms, but then even the people who are in the classroom. And I've heard this, I think, from all three of my colleagues here on this call, um, that uh, you've been out of the classroom as well. Uh, and you'll say, I don't actually know what it is like to be a teacher during the pandemic. I don't know what it's like to be a teacher after the pandemic. And so how do we make sure that we continue to do things that are helpful? And it's largely through the community being just so um, active and telling us everything we can do better. 
Um, and I've got a, a couple examples of this. I'm going to try switching to a different tab. I have no idea if I'm going to be able to pull this off. Um, all right, I think it's actually this one here. I found uh, some of the first emails that I got from Stephanie uh, on this call into Desmos. Sorry to put you on the spot. I also found one from, from Faith, um, which was a blast. I'm going to show this too. Dan, your first email doesn't get, uh, doesn't get featured here, uh, although it's also funny. Um, so the first two were both uh, from Stephanie um, suggesting features. And both of these were features that never would have occurred to me. So here, hello, awesome Desmos people. Thank you for Marble, Marble Slides. I appreciate it. Student joined with an inappropriate name. Is there a way to remove them from the class? Um, this is the kind of messiness that uh, you maybe don't design with up front and maybe you won't hear, but you can see, wrote in, wrote back four hours later. Um, we didn't end up figuring out uh, the ultimate fix to this for uh, a few years, but we did build things in the middle and Stephanie was part of them building that. Um, one way to, to fix a problem is to join a company and then fix it. Um, here's another one a few days later. Um, problem with loading up a lesson, um, investigating, fixing it immediately. But the thing that I noticed with this as kind of exemplified by all of the emails that we've ever gotten from teachers over the years, the, that's an exaggeration. There, there are exceptions, but almost all of them are just done completely in the style of let me be helpful. Um, it's never like I'm mad at you. It's not um, how dare you. It's always like, here's a thing that could be better. Um, and here's how I might make it better. I do want to show a couple from uh, Faith's application here too, uh, just because I think this is this is also such an example of my fourth big takeaway about learning and tech, um, which is Faith shared some of the amazing things that her students had made, um, these laser cuttings based on Desmos graphs. Um, and so my fourth learning, and oh man, how do I switch back? I can do this, I can do this. I'm gonna switch back to my other window here. Um, my fourth learning is that students are just brilliant in an unbelievably wide variety of ways. Um, and so much of technology seems like actually designed to prevent that, to say like, we don't want you to do that. Like we want you to pick between these four options. Dan gave that example at the beginning. Um, and just learning that the more that we allow students to express their creativity, like Faith did in that project where they're making something and then printing it out, uh, the more that we'll be surprised that they can. And it just makes me so um, sad on one hand about how little technology tries to support student creativity and then so optimistic because when you pull that off, um, you realize that students want to share, they want to create, they want to collaborate, they want to talk with the person sitting next to them about what they learn. Like these are just innate human things that technology can support or it can hurt. Um, and so one, one of the things that I've just been so um, pleased to learn is all of the different ways using technology that our teaching team, that our graph team, that our coaching team uh, is able to expose that, show students that they are brilliant, show students that their classmates are brilliant and show teachers that their students are brilliant and show us that they're all brilliant. Um, so that's that's what I prepared here. I also, I wanna leave some time for questions, but I also wanna offer the possibility, uh, this gets me in trouble every single time, but we have been working on some new stuff. And so if there's time at the end, I might show it because I don't think there's anyone here who can, uh, who can stop me. Um, so Dan, it is back to you. Yeah, do you want to hear from me talking or see awesome stuff from Eli you've never seen before? 
Um, if you have any questions, toss them in the chat. We got some cool folks on right now who'd be happy to uh, offer their insights. I would love to know at some point, this call or another one, what you've been learning alongside us. We've learned alongside the Global Math Department and the Math Twitter blogosphere. I would love to know if you've been in the game for a while. I'd be so curious what you've learned as well. Drop it, drop it in the chat or send an email, uh, dan at desmos.com. That one still works, I think. But yeah, Eli, um, let's see something new and fun and bonus points if you can tie it into any of the themes from today's talk. Uh, there's a chance it will. And then, yeah, definitely um, share some share some questions in here. I'm going to do a very quick, uh, quick peek. Um, so as, as folks may, may or may not know, um, Desmos about nine months ago split into Desmos Classroom, uh, which is supporting the curriculum, and Desmos Studio, which supports the math tools. Um, and one of my dreams of Desmos Studio was that there's been a few math tools that I've been really wanting to uh, work on or improve over the last five years and haven't been able to, and now uh, have been. And one of them that I wanna show today, which is um, starting, to, starting to get close, is an upgrade to our geometry tool, um, which for the longest time has been a disappointment to me. Um, so if you are curious to try this out, you should email me. It's eliadesmos.com. We can add you into the um, into the beta testing. But I just want to show you a little bit of the dream of the geometry tool. Um, so are folks able to see my screen? Yep. Yep. Awesome. Okay. So the old geometry tool, the current geometry tool, the one that, that people use today, um, I think knocks out of the park one of the uh, design principles that that um, I internalized really early and I think kind of spreads across our team and, and probably across this whole group of a low floor. Like we want a student to come in, feel successful, recognize that they can create. And it does a really good job of that. Um, but it, I think, kind of catastrophically fails at the other end of that, of a high ceiling, being able to then build more and more interesting and powerful things, connecting representations together Um and a lot of that came from the fact that it was independent of the calculator. And so the thing that we've been working on um, is what would it look like to build a geometry tool where at its base, it has all of the capabilities of the calculator too. So I'm just gonna do a very quick demo of what this might mean. So this is a, a prototype where instead of a set of tools down the side, you have them across the top and you have the expression list here where you can actually do math on them. So let's try doing something. Um, I'm going to do my classic where I create two circles like this, connect them with three line segments. But now I can do things like over here in the expression list, ask for the length of this line segment, and it's going to tell me what it is. And ask for the length of this line segment, and it's going to tell me that it's exactly the same. Um, or I could go here and I could make a triangle like this. I could ask for the angles of this triangle. I can see that they're all 60 degrees. And I can ask to add them out. I can say, what is the total of those angles? And I can get that it's 180 degrees. So I've got this connection between the expressions and the construction. The other piece that we wanted to do here is say everything that you could do by using these point and click tools, you also could do using commands in the expression list here. So for example, I could have um, taken this here 
And I could have made this a polygon using the polygon tool. So I'm going to type polygon and click on these three points, and it's going to make me a polygon, um, just the same way that I could have used the tool to do it. Um, and then we had this insight where we said, OK, if you could make it using geometry, using those tools, and you can make it using algebra, can we help people discover what they could have typed to make that happen? And so I can look at this here and see there's eight geometric objects that have been constructed. Open this up and say, all right, how did we make this one here? And I can take this and I can drag it down. And it shows me that the way to do that would have been to write intersection of these two different things. And then I can say, all right, how did I make that circle? And I can drag this one down and I make that circle as an argument with two different points. And I can put those back. All right, the last thing that I want to show um, is a place where the geometry and the algebra can be very fun connected together is doing transformations. So what I'm going to do here is make myself a little polygon. I'm going to take this and I'm going to rotate it around here by 90 degrees and I get a new polygon. And these are connected to each other. So when I make a change to one, it's going to make a change to the other. But we've got the calculator here, which means we've got sliders. So I'm going to instead rotate this by the angle A. Now I can see what happens as I change A and rotate this polygon around in a circle. We also, in addition to sliders in the calculator, we always have lists anywhere that we can use a slider. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to say A is 30 degrees and also 60 degrees and also all the way up to 330 degrees. And I've made myself a snowflake. So here's the dream of this tool is that it's got the low floor of the current geometry tool, but it's connected into all of the power of the calculator. Um, and very excited to see what folks make with it soon. All right, that's my demo. People are going nuts in the chat. Huckleberry wants her email. I want your phone number. I mean, <laughs> You know, the fact that everyone's going nuts off this, it is amazing. I just love that we all kind of understand each other. Why this would just like, you know, my family's out there eating dinner. You know, they don't get this like we do. You don't, they don't get me like you do in this way. Uh, I just love this. So um, Eli is still building the tech. We are still building the curriculum and we need this community in some form or fashion to keep doing all that and to enjoy doing it. So thank you folks for joining us tonight. If you have questions we didn't get to or want to follow up, uh, you know, we're on we're on Twitter, email, various places. Get in touch. We love chatting, as you can see from Eli's uh, email history there. So thanks so much to my colleagues for offering their time and insight. Um, I always love learning from you folks. And uh, the same goes to you folks out there on Twitter land and GMD. Thanks a lot, Lee. Take care, yeah, folks. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for being here, Dan, Faith, Stephanie, and Eli. And we appreciate all the people that were in attendance, sharing all the love in the chat. And we are going to have, a, I guess we have three more webinars left. Uh, May 2nd is our next webinar, Grading and Assessment and More, Where Do We Go From Here with Nolan Fossum. So we hope to see many of you at that session. Thanks again, everyone. So long. <laughs>